previously on the Galactica Quorum. I liked the Pegasus storyline. I just never liked the Kane character. I thought she was a cartoon. I thought she was just over the top, not written well. They spent 21 episodes telling us how great this little thing in New York was going to be. And then 15 minutes of not so awesome. Now, my thinking was, when they did that, they opened the gate, that they'd be able to go through the gate that was open from Earth. No, I'm telling you, that's the way the show is done. It's one way. the Cylons to win. Can I say it? Can I say it? Can I say it? The whole crux of the pilot was he was so... Nerdy? No. (laughs) Welcome to the Galactica Quorum. This is episode number 24. This is a podcast about Battlestar Galactica. During the off-season, we're talking about some other shows. Today, we have a lot to catch up on in terms of emails and voicemails, so probably just going to read those and talk about other shows when we talk about those emails. Okay. That's not good enough for you? No, no, that's fine. Okay. Uh, I am Brian, and giggling over there... He is Michelle. Jason. We have a website. It's galacticaquorum.com. To reach us by email, it's gquorum at gmail.com. That's G-Q-U-O-R-U-M. And I want to point out again, very important, we have a new voicemail number. It's 206-350-6756. And it rolls off your tongue. And it's, yeah, <laughs> it certainly doesn't. It's <laughs> thick like sludge. 206-350-6756. And again, visit our website. We have forums there. We have a Frapper map that you can get to from the top links where it says Dratus. And we have a tip jar if you'd like to send us a little contribution, which helps us go to conventions and helps us do more podcasts and video casts from conventions. It allows you to hear the interviews with the people you want to hear. Was that a good plug? <laughs> <laughs> Two bits of news. First of all, Galactica Quorum is now, I guess we could call ourselves the award-nominated Galactica Quorum. Woohoo! Because we are a finalist for the podcast awards. Which is we are so cool. Yeah. I, I, totally a surprise. We didn't really mention it before. It's been on our website, but we haven't brought it up in a show. But, yeah, we were nominated along with apparently thousands of other people. And for some reason, they selected us to be a for finalist. Some, for some strange reason. And we the, don't quite know why. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we're totally honored and humbled by uh, that. And there's other great podcasts nominated for all kinds of different categories. We happen to be in the entertainment category. So if you'd like to vote for us. The, we entertain you. If we, yeah, if we entertain you. <laughs> certainly entertain ourselves is <laughs> that's right we do <laughs> is podcastawards.com podcastawards with an s.com and again we're in the entertainment category and you can vote every 24 hours so the old adage vote early vote often actually somewhat applies here even if you don't intend to vote it's a good source for looking at other podcasts because you can see what some of the other top podcasts are in some of the other categories. Uh, we actually got an email from someone that does the Danger Zone show, which is another nominee in our category. And, yep, see, so there's an example. You could find some other shows that might... I've actually found be- a few that I, I'm considering subscribing to. And most of them seem to be for other shows or genres. 
Like if you're a uh, Harry Potter fan or you're... That would be me. Yeah. <laughs> What's another one? Is there a Doctor Who one in there? No, I didn't see. There's Firefly, though. There's, a, oh, there's, there's definitely Firefly. Firefly. Firefly Talk is always nominated for one of the top awards. And uh, speaking of plugs, I've mentioned before on the show that send us a, your podcast or your website. It doesn't have to be Galactica-related. doesn't even have to be Sci-Fi-related. We'll uh, give you a plug. We got a, an email from someone that does a podcast called Video Game Outsiders. focuses on the interests of mature gamers. What does and that mean? I don't know. But what does mature gamers mean? Does that just mean like people over like 20... Like, not the 13-year-olds who totally bug you, like, nonstop in game because they're so immature. Is that what they're talking about? Mature gamers as opposed to immature gamers, I'm thinking. Or it could just be uh, gamers that play is, naked. Is it adult titles? <laughs> <laughs> it could be, yeah. It could be adult games. So basically, I'm not asking him what video game console to get my daughter. Yeah. I guess I, if I listen to the podcast, I yeah, find out. We, we should have done our homework a little bit on that <laughs> yeah. one. I'll have but, to go listen to it. Because as most of you know, I am a video game addict. want to just bring up two of our most recent podcasts. Make sure you check out our interview with Aaron Douglas. That was episode number 23. That was our last audio podcast. And the last thing that we posted was our first video podcast. That was our coverage from Shore Leave Convention. You get to Baltimore. see Brian and I's ugly mugs. Oh, I don't know about that. Did you know why? We got an email from Ed. Did we? And yes, we did. What did he say? Uh, Ed, <laughs> Ed said, not to diss Brian, but could have used more Michelle. <laughs> don't be shy. The camera Excellent. loves you. Thanks, Ed. <laughs> Let's do some email. It's been a while since we've done email. Come back to Ed one more time. He responds to a statement I had made in a previous episode where I said Admiral Kane was a cartoon. And he doesn't agree. He says she was an excellent counterpoint to Adama in terms of their philosophy and leadership. You can see in their quarters, Adama's is warmly lit with lots of books and knickknacks with strong emphasis in history, whereas Kane's is coldly lit with lots of metal and glass and display of weapons. Adama is the warrior philosopher father figure, whereas Kane is only a warrior, cold and calculating. And so based on that, he wants to see more about her story. My problem with Kane was they painted her to be almost someone who was performing war crimes where she killed the whole family or she would kill XOs that didn't follow a simple instruction. And they would lay that out. And it all, it all came from other officers on the ship. And you're like, oh, they're just making her to make her sound like terrible. They didn't really do that thing. And then when she was in the scene or any scene she was in, you never saw that actually expressed or she did nothing of the kind. Fog of war. Chain of command. I don't buy it for a second. You, you are telling what the character is doing and not showing it in the least. And I thought it was a cheat that they did it that way. But you know, now, what? I Adama seen... did the same thing. Adama did almost exactly everything that she did as well. He left ships behind. Yeah. He blew up an entire ship that probably had a lot of people on it. You know, it's not like. But she... we saw those actions. We know what I'm saying is they painted her as this really dark character. And when she, you saw her on the screen, if you took away the scenes where the XO was saying all this stuff about her, you wouldn't have seen that for a second. There was nothing about her performance, and I don't blame the actress, I blame I the writing, what, well, that she had nothing at all to, to show that. And so it was like she was written as this one character, and it was not in the, the final execution of the show, she was not the character. I think you're more criticizing the XO's delivery than if you didn't, the actor's delivery if you didn't buy that. You know, it, it might just be, yeah, exactly. It might just be like not just hearsay, but people are 
making it out to be more than it really right. is. And well, I that's think what they made it sound about- like. They made it sound like when he was telling you stories that, oh, those are those are terrible things. This has to be a tall tale. They didn't substantiate it at all with her character. But her, professionally, I don't think she needs to be showing that right. on a professional manner. She's no, working with Starbucks. That's I don't not think what I'm saying. I'm not saying when she's, she's on the bridge that she needs to be saying. They didn't show her, whether it's in her own private quarters or whatever. There wasn't one scene of her, the character, displaying any kind of this malevolence at all. And that was what bugged me. So. Maybe she's very good at it. <laughs> Maybe she's very judicious with its use. Well, maybe. And it's certainly, yeah. and again, it goes back to the, the original Admiral Kane and, and a line, you know, paraphrasing it was like, if it's one battle star thinking they're the last 500 humans alive and this Admiral is pulling the strings to keep your butt alive, you're going to develop a sense of whatever they do is okay as long as it keeps me alive. And if she's the commander of the ship, she's basically the chief historian. Mm-hmm. If it's in the logs, you know, I mean, there's not going to be an official record of this happening because she would just look at it and go, we're going to strike that out. Again, I'm not disputing any of that. I'm just saying what they showed us for her character didn't match at all with what they took a storytelling shortcut. When I saw the episode, I was like, I don't buy it. It was like a cheap way to do a character, a mustache twirling evil villain, which to me, that's the mustache. I did too. Not that I'm implying that she has a mustache. I understand. I believed. I mean, I could totally see it happening. I believed it. I invite. But anyway, the Razor episode, apparently we know a little bit more about it now, does not have the chief in it. Sorry, folks. But it will have a young Admiral Kane and a young Adama. How young, I'm not sure. It will span, obviously, from this early part of their lives through the silent attack and then post-silent attack. Does that grab any of you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll watch it. It's not pretty obvious, but I just don't care as much about Kane and Pegasus. I wouldn't have been opposed to them just doing a completely separate storyline like Battlestar Oceanus or something that had their own adventure or misadventure during the attack or right before or after the attack. And you can tie it in some way. I mean, if they're finding a way to tie this in. But doing it with Pegasus allows them to skip a lot of introductory stuff and character development stuff and just get straight into story. Yeah. I'll watch it, but as long as they just keep it separate and don't try to have some of this stuff play into the final season. Mm-hmm. I don't get that. Oh, that was part of Razor. I don't want that. Right. Mm-hmm. It was like the webisodes. They were a neat little story, but they weren't really directly tied to... You didn't have to watch them to pick up BSG the next time it started. You got a lot of response to... Let's see, our heroes discussion and the Stargate discussion. Uh, This one's from Brian. He says, I always have thought that Jessica was and is real. This means that there are actually two powers at work here. Nikki has the strength and Jessica has the ability to hijack someone's body. A power she unfortunately didn't discover until the death of her body. Or maybe that's why her body died. That would also leave open the possibility that Jessica isn't gone. She could have jumped into someone else. It's not a bad theory. I kind of like that theory because we were talking a couple episodes ago and we were saying how maybe Jessica was a purely mental part of her. But I don't think that's totally true either because they had the whole bit where she was covering up the tattoo. Like a physical change had happened when there was Jessica versus Nikki. And so if it was mental, it wasn't just something that was clicking in her head. It was like something really did happen that facilitated one personality being the dominant one. So we're saying that... When she died when she was a kid, 
Okay, so Jessica hopped into Nikki and just now starts showing herself. Well, a lot of these powers are only now beginning to That's manifest true. themselves. Okay, so okay. I'm just, you know what? They've got to do something to make her interesting. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I know she was basically brought on, well, my theory, she was brought on as the hot, semi-known actress. But now that the show's established, they've got to make her character interesting or get rid of her. The best episodes on a lot of stretches were the ones where she wasn't involved. Yeah. Yeah. At the con I was at, we had a, there's a session where they're talking about heroes. I was in the room and I brought up some of your points uh, as your proxy. And I said, the opinion you had that the women were getting kind of a short shrift, the way they were either damaged or they needed to be rescued. On the panel, there was there were authors, and there were two men and one woman, and they didn't quite grab on it like I thought they might after seeing the obvious evidence. They seemed to think that a lot of people were damaged, and so that applied to everyone, but I didn't think they quite got that the women in particular were not being the ones that propelled a story or were the ones were would be the true protagonists. They were, they were like a catalyst, but not like the thing that would solve a plot point or... For all the focus on Claire, her main role, if you boil it down, was the fairy tale damsel in distress. Another thing that was brought up about Heroes was someone said some people were disappointed with the finale, and of course we all somewhat were. A lot of people in the room didn't seem like they were, they thought it was adequate, and I voiced some of our concerns. Their response was that they didn't feel like a show about heroes needed a Justice League type of ending where everyone kind of tag teams and beats up the guy. It would make it too much of a comic book, whereas... But yet, one of NBC's main advertising devices is the comic book on their official website. It's that whole villain issue I have. A villain is like the super bad for so many hours of the movie or so many episodes, like when... Siler was just kicking Peter's ass left and right in certain scenes. And then all of a sudden, when he goes down, it's because he just forgot to move. Like, all the coolness he had for the 90% of the time you've seen him just stopped just long enough for some geek to kill him. Doesn't make sense. I think Siler would be a great fifth Cylon. Wouldn't he be cool as, like, a creepy guy? He would be. Wouldn't that be just really neat? He's a great actor, but he certainly is officially now the creepy guy. Yeah. He's never going to be the romantic lead. <laughs> well, he's never going to replace Christopher Walken, though. And Christopher Walken's when always... Christopher Walken dies, Zachary Quinto, he's, he's pretty good. Yeah. No, I agree. He was on a couple episodes of Charmed, I believe, as well. Got an email from Ed. I'm not entirely sure that Siler crawled away into the sewer. Could he have been dragged, perhaps by someone worse than Siler? Hmm. I kind of like that. What if, like, some group is monitoring these superheroes that are battling it out? One goes down, not dead... A and different group or the groups that have been established monitoring this? Well, maybe it's the group that has that guy that the little girl keeps talking about. Yeah, this other power, which we... That's Mama Petrelli. You think? Oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised, but uh, that'd be she's cool. She's so the big bad. Yeah. <laughs> to borrow from Buffy. Well, I did see that he's definitely coming back, but I like that theory. It would be interesting if there was something as bad as they've set him up, if they could come up with a character that makes him look as, like, only the second baddest. Mm -hmm. That'd be pretty yeah. cool. That'd be a nice twist. Oh, by the way, Heroes... NBC put their schedule out. Heroes comes back, like, September 17 or something, whatever that Monday is. Cool. I really thought they would pair Bionic Woman with Heroes, but they're not. Well, I mean, like, one after the other. Yeah. Like, maybe Heroes and then Bionic Woman, yeah. so you're, like, 
So you're like, hey, all you heroes people, stay around and watch yeah. this. Well, I convinced someone in the office today to give it a try. Because I said, well, remember how we talk about how Battlestar Galactic is so different? I think the same thing's going to happen here. They're going to take cheesy, cheesy 70s into cool aughts. Aaron Douglas is in the pilot. I don't know if Bionic Woman's going to catch on quite in the same way as Battlestar. Because oh, I, no way. No way. The miniseries, first of all, tapped into like post-9-11 emotional current. It just yeah. had, it was deep. I mean, it really touched a nerve in some respects. There's lots of ways you can watch Battlestar, but if you watch it from an allegorical perspective, it's about something. And I don't know, I could be wrong, but Bionic Woman, I mean, it might be a fun show, but I just don't see it being like so super deep, something you would want to like discuss. I agree. I think it's it's going to be more like, oh, that's cool. And every episode is going to have something, some sort of fight scene and she gets to figure out her powers and it's just, it's not going to be thought provoking. Right. But it does seem like they're bringing in a lot of the Battlestar alums. They just added Mark Shepard. Oh, yeah. To the list. and, and He's got it. He, yeah. Mm. Should I even talk about the fact that I've seen it? Well, I guess you better now. <laughs> His role is going to be a very, very good character. Only because he's playing it. I think if any other actor was playing this character, it would not be as cool as it's going to be. But, yeah, I've seen it. And Katie Sackhoff, her character is just so screwed up. What a but surprise. She, she plays it. So, she is so good at playing the total messed up psychopath. She's really good. The woman that plays uh, the bionic woman, I'm not so convinced of yet. It was a good episode. The pilot was, it was good. In my opinion, it's not spectacular. I wasn't completely like blown off the couch by it. Just going back to the heroes thing one time, you, you said that like the people at the panel were like, you know, we didn't want to make it a comic book thing. But yet, it, unscientifically, it, it sounds like there was a decent number of fans that were disappointed in the finale. They don't have to, like, say, we messed up. At least acknowledge that, you know, yes, we understand that a lot of our fans felt kind of hanging. It's kind of like the yeah. Sopranos thing. So you had this great vision. Well, you know what? Maybe your great vision, maybe you're just smarter than us, and your great vision was just so much higher than what we wanted. Yeah. But understand that we thought it was lacking. Speaking of endings... Got a voicemail from Danielle who talks about the potential ending of Battlestar. Hi, this is Danielle. Um, I have two comments to make. First, what do you think the last few moments of the last episode of Season 4 should be like? I hope it's a moment, like, you know, it's the last season of the show and it's like the last episode and you want the last moment to be something you always remember. For example, Charmed. The last few minutes were... You see old Piper and Leo, old Leo walking upstairs. You see pictures of the last few years of charms. I'm not saying that I want that, that type of, you know, it was nice. And the second thing is the Hilo bashing. I'm glad to find a podcast not Hilo bashing. Cause I like Hilo. To me, he thinks with his heart. He didn't really think with his head. Or maybe I had that right around. But I think he kind of thinks both ways. <laughs> but he's cool. And the the one podcast I can think of, which I don't really listen to anymore, because, like, got so tired of it, it's the podcast GWC. I won't say the whole name. <laughs> you probably know what I'm talking about. They do it. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. Bye. You know what? The ending of Charmed was mm. very sentimental. It was very, like... They ended it like everybody was happy-go-lucky. Everybody got what they wanted. The charmed ones were able to lead normal lives. And 
it was just all like too bow tie. Yes. Too, too Christmas present. Yes. To me. To me. That's what I thought about it. Coolest ending ever is Six Feet Under. That was a good ending. I haven't seen that I actually that pegged that. The week before, I that was so. Cool. I was like, you know what? It would be cool if we, we saw how they died. And not like they all died in a car crash, but like, yeah. you know, 40 years later, X died. But when that happened, later, I was like, like yes! That was great! I totally yeah. pegged it. Ron Moore had a blog post on the Sci-Fi website where he discussed the Sopranos ending, and he loved it. He was saying, I wish I would have thought of something like that. And it makes you wonder, is he going to try to one-up it? or? But you can't really... Most shows, unless they don't know they're being canceled or they don't care anymore, they're going to try to create an ending that's going to be memorable and impressive. Right. But it's just how successful are you going to be at it? Like the Seinfeld ending to me just sucked. Yeah. So it comes down to what type of show do you have? How many resolutions, plot resolutions do you need to wrap up? Are you going to leave any hanging? Any character resolutions that you need to wrap up? You know, are the fans going to be happy with a happy ending, a sad ending, an ambiguous ending? I want the Cylons to win. I, I, think that I don't think be, it's going to be on those terms at all. I think that would be the best. Aaron ending. Douglas brought up a really cool ending that I would have, I would love to see. He thought it would be cool if we ended it that they go to Earth, they land on Earth, and coming towards them are like hundreds of like Leobins and Sixes. And you know who's done that? See, that's Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I know. Can't and we it. had discussed this and it was before. A plan- and that was the remake of The Planet of the Apes. I don't think it's going to be as black and white as Cylons win. I think that would be I think, fantastic. I think it's going to be... It all has to do with this circle of time. And wishy-washiness. Not wishy-washy so much, but there's just going to be more ambiguity between what's human and what's Cylon. And I don't know if it's going to be as like a reboot button like in the Matrix movies where things would have you know reset or another cycle starts. But it's going to be something that's going to... It's not going to be just like, oh, we win and the Cylons are vanquished. And, or it's all one of Six's dreams. Yeah. I'm hoping it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, this was, was all a... from? This is all a simulation. St. Elsewhere. Or it was all a dream? It was the autistic kid's imagination. Okay. The Patrick Duffy, the season of Dallas that was all a dream. Right. Bob Newhart show. Oh, yes. That's where that's I remember it from. That's the classic one. Yeah, but okay. I just had the weirdest dream. Yeah. yeah. That's another whole category of endings yeah, like it's that a dream, I hope like, they avoid. Like, like Six wakes up and she's really a human living on Caprica. Yeah. Yeah. Or this was a fantasy done by a computer on Earth that was just starting to learn how to become artificially intelligent or just something like that. It's like that would be really disappointing. I want the silence to win. <laughs> okay, we're marking it down that Jason wants the Cylons to win. And you don't have to wipe out humanity for them to win, but it could be like, there's like 1,200 of you left. Do you want to work with us? or So we become the minority and they become... Well, yeah. that was the Cavill line back in uh, season three. He's okay. like, we should bring them down to a more manageable level, like 1,000 maybe. Yeah. Well, I don't mean like on the, you know, the Cylons decide it because they've already won. I just mean like in the battles. Oh, in the... There's finally a point where it's like there's just not enough humans to continue the fight. Right. The other big response we've had is our discussion of Stargate when I mentioned... Can I, I say it? Can I say it? Can I say uh, it? No, you can't. You can't steal the thunder from our, our no, fans. No, I just want to say that I was right. <laughs> All right, say it. Take it to say it. I often. was right. <laughs> this is what we have to deal with, people. She's usually much more professional. Yes. Well, no, she's not. No, I'm not. So we got an email from Justin. Justin, who's been our big supporter over all these months. It was great to finally get him actually on a podcast. He writes that there's an episode in season four called Prodigy where Carter takes a young Air Force cadet under her wings. 
During this time, Carter tells the cadet that wormhole travel can only happen one way. The cadet disagrees, and Carter explains why it's the case. Mm-hmm. Now, the point of confusion that I had was the pilot episode. When Apophis comes through, my recollection of it, and this is only watching it like a few months ago, was that the gate stayed open. But I haven't gone back and watched it because I already sent the disc back. But apparently, it actually does close. From our forum, Shrek writes, In the first ep, Apophis had something on his arm, and he reopened the gate to go back in. In another ep, where SG-1 was stuck on a prison world, the prisoners were running into the gate as it opened to kill themselves when someone dialed in. They get sent to this prison world, and that's what prisoners do. They're, they're stuck in this cave, and they're stuck there forever. So they figure out that the way to get out is to just throw themselves into the gate as it opens. It's kind of nasty, but... See, the problem I have with that, I think it's a technical thing. When you, you start to like really look at these things too critically is... Like, I just happened to be flipping through, and there was a Stargate Atlantis episode where the ship... And I don't know the first thing about Atlantis right now, because right now I'm going through the first series. But the ship is returning back, and it's going through the, the Stargate, and it gets stuck halfway through for some reason. I don't know why they... Because um, the flaps on the side, I guess like the... The wings, mm-hmm. they are not closing all the way. They didn't close all the way. Well, that was a dumb design decision. So, <laughs> design your shuttle so you can be sure it's going to go through the well, device. I mean, it can go through, through when they close up, but, but anyway, just, the, something malfunctioned. But anyway, the close. point being, it was stuck in half, and then you start getting into these things like, well, if you stick your arm in and pull it back, does it mean your arm's going to fall off? All the time, those guys that are, you see them walking through the gate, and they kind of pause and turn around and wave to the guys, come on through, and they, you know, it's like. Matter has already gone through somewhat. You have to go all the way through with your body, and then, I don't know. It's You're not out of bounds until you're all the way out of bounds. Yeah, something like that. Just one more thing about Stargate. I'm not supposed to talk bad about Stargate because there's obviously very passionate <laughs> fans in here. Uh, but I have to say, one of the most recent episodes that I saw really kind of sucked. Which and one? It was the Hathor episode. Oh, I hate that episode. Okay, I'm very relieved to, to hear you say that that one was not good. <laughs> that because... episode, every time it comes on, I'm just like, oh, God, not this one again. So I have permission not to like that one then? Yes, yeah. you're, you're allowed not to like that episode. I mean, that one was like, maybe they didn't have a budget because it just makes sense for her to like tromp across the country. She ends up in the <laughs> in the. It's the not bunker. that she tromped across, across the country. It was like several Several countries, countries like across Mexico. <laughs> and she's like drawn to the Stargate and that's how she ends up at their front door. Yeah. <laughs> now, the, my problem with that episode is whatever pheromone she was pushing out on everybody and then her giving birth to other golds in the weight room i don't know and ew half of them were like daniels and ooh, the fact that daniel you know whatever yeah that episode bothers me <laughs> it just seemed really trite the whole purple minty fresh thing that somehow made <laughs> guys just swoon to her it just didn't uh... i mean it was cool seeing the women like step up and yeah, like kick yeah. ass but yeah i like that it's the daniel having that bothers you the most oh yeah your michael shanks was getting it on with someone else Gah. No, I mean, I don't mind. Well, he's always the one that hooks up with the chicks, which I don't understand at all. I like him, but it amazes me that some of the other characters in the show don't hook up with women. And he's always the one. Some of the one I haven't, again, I've only watched the first season on DVD so far, but Jack hooks up in that one episode where they go to the planet where people age really fast. He hooks up a few times. It just seems like whenever a new woman is brought in... Mm -hmm. And, like, they have to interact with Daniel in some sort of intellectual manner. 
they always fall for him. It almost seemed in the pilot that they were almost hooking up Carter and Daniel. They had this little scene where he was impressed by her or she was impressed by him because they were that's their fields of, of expertise and whatnot. And so there, there was a little bit like they're trying to like lay something that, for the future that might come about. But again, I'm kind of surprised, like you said, just because the whole crux of the pilot was he was so nerdy. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, he was so devastated that he lost his yeah. wife. Oh, yeah. And then, like, oh, that? I guess he got over that pretty fast. Sort of like an <laughs> Anders-esque sort of, oh, okay. You know what? On I, to the next one. They did, they, they do drag it out. You know, like, he does actually, like, have his issues with, and he's still looking for her. Right. Okay. But, no, you're allowed to hate that episode because it, it was not the greatest. Okay, so I think that wraps things up for this time. We said many times that we were going to cover Firefly. I'm sorry <laughs> that we keep uh, dangling that carrot out in front of everyone. But I know. We're so bad. Dimitri's coming back on a limited basis in the next couple of weeks, just as Jason is going to be leaving. So it, it, we'll see what happens. We can do it without Jason. We, well, yeah, well yeah. I'd like to do it because Jason and Dimitri both have not seen it. And Jason's a big Joss Whedon fan. Right. So I'd kind of like to get their input and their opinions on it. Yeah. So that's why we're waiting. Uh, Sorry. We'll find something else to talk about in the meantime. There's other shows that are coming along. Maybe we'll have some other interviews. Yeah, hopefully. Okay, our website is galacticacorum.com. Our email, gquorum at gmail.com. And again, our new voicemail is 206-350-6756. See you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Test, 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 one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now you got that song in my head. What song is that? The, uh, never mind. The counting song? Yeah. From Sesame Street? Yes. One, two, three, four, five, That's six, one. seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I used to love that. I was wondering, though, I was wondering, like, why did they stop at twelve? Like what why was it they about? Stop at 12? Why was it about twelve that was so magical? Why couldn't they stop at ten or fifteen? Yeah, like ten is like a a good number for base ten ten fingered was humans. There more, was there more to the song that we just don't remember? I don't know. And that's why they stopped at twelve. Like maybe they were trying to teach them how to add six plus six or right. Whatever. Someone on staff had six fingers on. Yeah. <laughs>